Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, buddy! Listen, I am so excited to welcome in my next guest to Wednesdays with Wheels. Uh, you know him if you're a fan of the Brother Wee show. Uh, you're, you also know him from Opie and Anthony. And what I have to say is what I believe to be the gold standard in podcasting, the Opie Radio Podcast. Opie, how are you? I'm good there, Wheels. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Can I tell you that I've done, so this is like my 10th podcast. It's brand new, brand new, but this is the first time that I'm kind of nervous and maybe a little bit of a fanboy here, Opie, because I've been listening to you for so long in many different forms that this this is really big for me. So thank you for doing this. Well, let me help you out. You should be very nervous. I'm a big deal there, uh, Wheels. You are a big deal. I, I also <laughs> into are you your, kidding me? Your Instagram lives and your, yeah. your um, YouTube lives. I don't think okay. you know who it is, though, because that's on my regular page, and it's just David Maxwell. But oh, so okay. I, I, lo- I love the, the views of the beach, and, and if there's one thing that, that Opie gives you, he gives you the truth. Wow, I like that. Right? You do. You don't pull any punches, my friend. No, I don't. I'm really mad right now, matter of fact, because I decided that I was going to have a little beer with uh, Wheels Maxwell, and I went to my fridge, and I grabbed the damn Sam Adams Summer Ale. And I don't support Sam Adams anymore, so now I'm in a bad mood because of that. Now you're How in about a- them apples? Listen, I like the, I like the stay-at-home look, Ope. Thank you. I'm in my pajamas. I uh, I shaved my Santa Claus beard uh, very recently because I was getting yeah, I was getting some looks like I think that guy is Santa Claus. And then um, and and I haven't uh, had a haircut in about I don't know four or five months at this point. This is the longest my hair has been since being in Rochester. Matter of fact, when I was going after the ladies, the ladies. Now I get the ladies there, Maxwell mantra of trying to yeah yeah i just show my handicap parking sticker yeah do you get action even though you're I, in a chair let's let's get into this a little bit i do hope i get i get action nice everything everything you know that's a common misconception uh yeah that people have that just because you're in a wheelchair the plumbing doesn't work oh no man you guys still get stiffies i know oh, that from yeah. that documentary what was the documentary? Uh, Murder Ball? Murder Ball. But I know you're a big documentary guy. Have you seen the new documentary that you would Which absolutely one? love called Crip no. Camp? Crip Camp. I heard about that. Listen, Those are the activists in the late 60s, early 70s, right? Yes. Brother Weeze turned me on to this. And it's so funny because he called me up on the phone, Ope, and he yeah. says, bro, I got something. And you know, I can't do the... The brother Wee's voice, like uh, some people can, but he says, "Bro, he says, yeah. uh, I don't want to upset you." And I'm thinking, in, my, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "Oh boy, what I do? He's going to tell me I can't do the show on Friday. I did something." And he's like, yeah. "Bro, I don't want to upset you, but uh, you know, Sammy, uh, Sammy Davis and I are sitting down and we're watching this documentary by Barack and Michelle Obama, and it's about yeah. it's called Crip Camp, and it's about people in wheelchairs." But wheels, they're way worse than you are. <laughs> that's that's my boy. That's Wheeze. <laughs> yeah. 
So if you get a chance, it's a it's a great documentary. Oh, you just mentioned a little while ago or just a few minutes ago that when you were back in Rochester, how long has it been since you were an intern in Rochester and spending some well, of your time there? I was never an intern uh, at uh, that other radio station. Uh, I think it used to be called the home of rock and roll. Rochester's home of rock and roll. Um, no, it was, it was my second uh, professional radio job. Oh, and I was okay. the jack of all trades. And I left in, oh, my God. I left in uh, 80, wow, when did I leave? I'm trying to remember now. Probably around uh, 89. So what, <laughs> what, what was your, because you and I have, one of our best friends is Brother Weeze. Brother Weeze yeah. has changed my life in so many ways. I opened yeah. so many doors for me. But uh, yeah. what was your, take us back to that, that uh, if you remember that first couple of days you worked with Brother Weeze, and what were your impressions of him, and what do you remember about that? Well, Brother Weeze, uh, Brother Weeze is uh, like a god to me. He's a mentor. He's, uh, he's like a, one of my best friends. He's a brother. He's a father figure. He's all those things to me. And uh, basically, I was in Geneseo, actually, going to college. And I was doing college radio, and somebody in my fraternity house had Brother Weeze on. He was just starting his radio career around then, somewhere around 85, I think. And I heard this terrible voice coming from a room from the fraternity house. And right away, I'm like, who the hell is that? Because back then, you had to have a really good voice to be on the radio, and, and we certainly did not have the very good voice uh, but what he was saying was absolutely amazing and fascinating and interesting and funny and thought provoking. And so fast forward, I, I get a, a job in Geneva, New York, just a little part time job. I was doing uh, radio on the weekends. And then um, I got a chance to get a job at CMF as a assistant uh uh, assistant uh, promotional guy. Basically, I had to deliver pizzas for Dave Kane, if you could imagine. That was my gig, basically. No, that's not true. But I learned a lot about radio. And uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the radio station where that guy with the really weird voice works. So uh, to his credit, he be he befriended me, and we became instant pals. And I, had, I was not worthy to be on the radio with Brother Weeze back then, certainly. But he would give me mic time and he would allow me to hang out and uh, just be part of the whole the whole show, which I, I cherish uh, to this day. And uh, him and Sam Kinison completely changed my life because I realized I was doing radio wrong when I heard Weeze just being himself and Sam Kinison just uh, taking it to the edge and being himself and then kind of jumping over the edge, matter of fact. I uh, threw everything I knew away from what I learned in college and up to that point. And I decided to finally start being myself on the radio. You know, um, that, that brings up a great point on how Brother Weeze just let you sort of join in on the, I call it the fun, right? Because it really is. Yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. It really yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Fun. But I think that you, along with Weeze, and you, you said you learned from Weeze, but you have a great knack for just taking uh, maybe someone that no one knows and turning them into realizing they have a talent and giving them a microphone and giving them a, a platform. And one of the, well, I did a little bit of a Facebook live before you came on 
just promoting yeah. that we were going to do this. And one of nice. the viewers wanted me to ask you, do you have any good Chef Carl stories that you could tell us? Because one of the people that you brought on to the radio and sort of made, uh, you know, he already had a career in the, as a very successful chef and on the food network, but um, you introduced him to a home, new audience. Right. Uh, ah, man. Yeah. Thanks for uh, mentioning uh, Carl. Now I'm going to start crying there wheels. What are you trying to do? Are you, are you like a Barbara Walters? I thought we were going to have some fun. We are going to have a beer together. I, I want to, I listen, I love Carl. Carl was a great guy. So funny. Well, so you're, I just thought maybe you could share yeah. a couple stories. All right. No problem. So Carl was a street guy. Um, just naturally funny. He could have easily been a stand-up comic. He could have easily been one of the, the greats of uh, radio. We had uh, a friendship first, and we had incredible chemistry on our, our uh, radio show when I uh, was still at SiriusXM, and then we moved it into the podcast form. The thing I, I, I love about uh, Carl, he was always living in the moment. He was always funny. He was always enjoying his life. I never saw the guy sad. And he went through a lot of crap at the end of his life, including a, an ugly divorce. But what I loved was just walking the streets with Carl and making him incredibly uncomfortable, which which amazed me because he was such a street guy. But if when I started messing with people, he would he would pull on my on my 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 sleeve and try to get me out of the situation, and that would just make me want to do it more to make him even more uncomfortable. Uh, to this day, I think of those moments and I just laugh my ass off. In Nantucket, we were just wandering around the streets really, really drunk. And I decided, uh, well, he decided we all needed Nantucket hoodies. And we went into a store and he begged me outside the store not to carry on and, and make a scene. And I'm like, God, ah, Carl, of course I will. And then, of course, as soon as I got into the place, I just started announcing that we were there and taking over the store and just being loud and obnoxious. And and Carl was laughing his ass off to the point he couldn't breathe, but he also was so uncomfortable and so embarrassed and he just wanted us out of the store. And he uh, he quickly bought everyone's hoodies and, and, and dragged me out of there. So uh, he, uh, those, was, are the, yeah, I, those are the moments I – okay, why don't you talk then? Yes. I'm sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> I was just going to say those are the moments I cherish. Yeah. I, I love – uh, the first time I met Chef Carl, uh, I, it's funny because I was listening to your podcast and you were waiting at the door for Billy to answer the door. And he yeah. said, it wouldn't, must have been the second time I met him. But he look, he said to you on the air as I'm listening to that, and I laugh my ass off about this. He said, yeah. wheel scares me. <laughs> I, I don't know why, man. You're very well, I, lovable. I mean, maybe he was afraid I was going to run over his big toe or something. I don't know. Yeah, he had terrible feet. Uh, that's one thing about Carl. He had horrendous feet. So maybe that was it, that you were going to run over his toes. <laughs> Carl was a special, special uh, person. Yeah, I'm sitting there listening to the podcast, and I'm like, how do I scare Carl Ruiz? Of of all yeah. people, me. But he, yeah. was, he was a little scared. Uh, oh, so let's talk. You're you're on you're in you're in uh, New York. Um, where are you right now? You're are you at the beach house? Oh yeah, I got uh, I got a, yeah I got a place where I get to you know hang out and uh, 
and just uh, chill out and go fishing and, and, and stay as far away from the coronavirus as possible. Well, let's, yes. can we talk about the coronavirus for just a few minutes? Yeah, you don't believe it, do you, Wheels? No, I be- I'm with you. I'm a believer. <laughs> I am a, I'm a mask wearer and I'm a believer. But uh, Oh, so that means you're a snowflake libtard, you and your mask. How dare you? Man, right? Here's what I don't understand. And let's talk about this for a little bit. What is it with people and yeah. not being – like how hard is it to put on a mask, Opie? Well, it's not hard. And I, I said this from day one. I, I pretty much said on my podcast, please, please, let's not make the mask political. And sure enough, we did that until recently. Uh, even the turtle, Mitch McConnell, is uh, telling everyone to wear a mask. So finally, we're uh, all getting on the same page. I just hope it's not too late. Uh, but to make the mask political is completely ridiculous. The fact is, this is a really scary thing. Uh, we're looking at 130,000 Americans have died from this thing. And, uh, you know, we got to try to keep everyone safe. And, and most of the scientists and the doctors... Nine out of 10 anyway, you'll always find one doctor, one scientist that'll tell you something like, no, smoking is actually really good for you. Um, But uh, the majority of doctors and scientists are basically saying, look, the mask will save people's lives. And that's all we should worry about. And and then all that political, all that other political stuff. Sure, let's fight it out. But let's at least agree that the mask is important as we try to get through this pandemic. And are you with me that... These people that don't believe in the virus, right? Because they're you. Uh, you had one on your podcast recently. Your uh, uh, Jim Brewer, I think it was. Well, you and him yeah. were talking about it, and he is totally doesn't believe in the virus, you know. And all yeah. the doctors are in it for the money. If we're not supposed yeah. to listen to the doctors, oh, who are we supposed to listen to? Well, obviously the politicians. They know way more about this stuff, so of course we got to listen to. Either Trump or Biden. They know best. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, the one thing I will add, though, the media certainly does know how to spin things uh, to fit their own agendas. So you got to kind of you got to kind of make your own. uh, 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 You got to kind of find your own sweet spot on this whole thing, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, because you, uh, you got the you got the you got the left leaning um, cable news outlets. Of course, they're going to take advantage of this and and use it uh, uh, to push you know some agenda forward. And, and certainly, Fox News and the rest on the other side will go the other way uh, uh, to fit their agenda. So I, I always think that the answer is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he said, you know, people will listen to either. Fox News or uh, MSNBC because it yeah. validates what they're thinking, right? So you listen to yeah. whichever you listen to whichever station validates your opinion, and it's yeah, of course people don't think for themselves. Uh, did right. you see this latest story? And I'm interested to get your take on this. Did you see John Elway came out the other day and said uh, any of his players that kneel during the national anthem, he's going to fire on the spot. <laughs> really? Wow. I, I did not see that story, to be honest with you. That it's the most ridiculous thing to me in the world because you're telling me that if a guy like, I don't know, uh Von Miller, who's a big player yeah. for the Denver Broncos, decides to yeah. take a knee, you're gonna tell yeah. your the top player that you're paying on your team, sorry, we no longer need your services. Well, 
John Elway has always been stupid there, uh, Wheels. And because he said that, he's going to now have most of his team kneeling. I mean, how dumb can you be? The team's not going to take that. They're in solidarity. They're all going to now kneel to shove it up Elway's, uh, you know, horse's ass. Right. It just uh, it just seems a little outrageous to me. Could you? I, thought, I, I think of the Buffalo my, Bills, and if we told Josh Allen he couldn't play for us because he decided to take a knee, Buffalo yeah. would be in in an uproar. Well, this will be a bit controversial, but I think you could support your country and also kneel. Believe it or not, I think those two things are possible. But there's a lot of people, as soon as you kneel, you know, you're not a patriot. You don't believe in this country. You don't blah, 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 blah. And I really do believe that you could be uh, an American, believe in what this country is all about, and also take a kneel for some, some things that you believe need to change. Thank you so much, Opie, for saying that. Because I all, my argument to people is this. They're not, they're not disrespecting America they're, right. The reason they're doing it during the national anthem is because that's when everybody's eyeballs is on, are on them. Right. But we live in a country where it's all or nothing, unfortunately. Right. We live in a country that there's no real debate anymore. We live in a country where people have their talking points. And it's not even their own talking points. They get it from Facebook or the cable news channel they're, they're watching. And then they're just waiting for you to uh, stop talking so they can shove their, their points right back at you. Because their 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 survival uh, depends on it for them to be right. No one wants to be wrong in this country whatsoever. I'm wrong all the time, Opie. I'm I'm wrong all the time. Why? I'm never, and I'm because I because your opinion can't like I I love to learn from people. I love to learn from like like when I listen to your podcast and I talk to Brother Weez. Like that's yeah. what's missing in this in this country, right? The, the the ability to have a conversation and and actually see somebody else's point of view. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time you actually heard someone say, oh, I never thought of it that way? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's it more, happens. you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You live hard. Die. It's like, die? Really? Yeah. And, and I say this all the time. It's a, it's a theme on my podcast. We're doing it all wrong, no matter what side you're on, because both sides want the other side to think exactly like how they think. So basically, you're looking at 50% of the country is trying to change the minds of the other 50% of the country. It's never going to happen, and we just waste our time trying to do that. That's why I try to stay off of social media with arguments about politics, because it's just ends up to be a yeah. circular argument, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me tell let me ask you something. So so you get action. I get action. Do they like sit on the on the chair with you? Ah like, I'm, like I'm do you do any mobile, Ope. I'm pretty mobile. I get out of the I've, chair and, and I've uh, seen you walk. I've seen you walk in Brother Weezer's studio, but I'm I'm just wondering if you ever had look man, you know. I, I, I've had some girls with some fetishes, so I'm wondering if if you've ever had one that just was kind of fetishy and, and uh, wanted to do some unusual things because you've got a wheelchair. I'm not going to lie that sometimes, sometimes in, in yeah. very rare cases, the wheelchair yeah. has, has helped out. 
Nice. Good for you, buddy. My, my friends often say to me, you are the one of, you are in some ways the luckiest guy there is because you automatically know if a girl likes you because one of the first things she'll she'll ask is in a roundabout way, does everything work okay? Right. And you're not you're obviously not paralyzed. I un, I, I I don't know uh Give me your deal in in a minute or two. So Why I are have you in a wheelchair? cerebral palsy. So I was born uh, uh, premature, and okay. uh, um, my lungs weren't fully developed. I was breathing when I was born, but my lungs weren't fully developed. In the yeah. transfer from one hospital to another, the machine, uh, the incubator that they put me in to transfer me to the hospital, stopped working. And that's what actually caused the lack of oxygen to my brain and ended up uh, oh, had God. me end up like this. Right. And you know and you don't feel go ahead up. I was gonna say, and you don't you don't feel sorry for yourself or anything, do you? Because no, you're you're an I hate I hate when people say wheels, uh I'm so i I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I feel bad for you. Or, or when I meet a girl and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you're in a wheelchair. Don't feel yeah. sorry for me. I've lived and I'm living the best life that I could live. Oh, yeah, you are. Like, yeah. you know, you can't change it, so you just got to live with it, right? Oh, like things 100%. happen in life and you just got to deal with it. 100%. I got this ratty red hair. It's a fucking nightmare to walk around with it. I, I will tell you I was doing uh, – <laughs> Sorry, I'm just such a dick sometimes. Sorry, that's, I'm trying to I do like, better. That's funny. Though. And actually, and actually, it's strawberry blood. But uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, no, you're an inspiration for real. When I first met you, you know, I, I, I was wondering what what is this guy all about? And uh, you know, Weez doesn't Weez doesn't pull in charity cases whatsoever to be on the radio with him. Man, you gotta you gotta perform. And you gotta you gotta hold your uh, your own. And man, the first time I saw you working on his show, I was like, "Damn, this this guy uh, Wheels is good. He's funny. He has a great laugh. He's entertaining. He's got uh, great questions, and he adds to every conversation that was happening in the in the in the room." And I bowed to you, and I and I thought to myself, "Man, this guy is an inspiration. There's no doubt about it." So can we? Uh, let me. Can I just expound on that just a little bit when you say I'm an inspiration? Because yeah. I struggle with that, Opie. Because, and I under and I understand it. I understand where it comes from, right? When people say wheels, you're an inspiration. But and if you find inspiration from me, or if someone finds inspiration from me, that's phenomenal. But right. I I tell people all the time, I'm not like people that are inspirational are people that are out there trying to like cure cancer, right? Or right. Find a vaccine wow. for the coronavirus. Yeah, no, I understand. Let me now. Let me throw this back at you. Like, obviously, you don't you don't want people to look at you differently because you spent a lot of time in a in a wheelchair. I understand that. But what I mean by inspiration is this: there are a lot of people that were born quote I'll say it that way normal, and they can't even fucking get out of bed in the morning, and they got all sorts of issues and this and that. And then you, they see someone like you that is just thriving with their life. That's what I mean by being inspirational, uh, Wheels. And, Nothing and is holding you back. 
And there's so many people out there that they are like, oh, if only I had this, if only I had made more money, if only my wife was hotter, if only, 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 only. And And their life is passing them by. And that's why you're an inspiration because I looked at you like, God, what, 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 why am I complaining today? Are you kidding me? That's well, what I mean I, by that. And, I, and thank you. And I will tell you, it's interesting that we're talking about this because um, one of Weez's former producers, I was talking Paulie, I was talking to him the other day. And he said, because yeah. uh, I did Paulie's podcast, and Paulie said, when Weez first mentioned you, Wheels, the one thing he said about you was, here's a guy that should be so down on himself and so miserable about life and he's not and i need to bring him in on the radio and 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 uh you know hope you've been in the business a long time it's very rare that somebody is just given a microphone and said here we trust you enough to you know to say whatever you want to say and we without throwing it off the rails yeah absolutely man now so you uh so you were born with the cp and so you're not you're not paralyzed, so every you feel everything all the way down to your toes, right? I feel everything, um, and that's the right, again well. common misconception, right? Everybody thinks once you hear wheelchair that that means yeah. you're paralyzed. You right. know, I do a lot of online dating, which nice. is which is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I I feel sorry for anyone that's single. Although, I, mean, I don't know, man. So, those those apps seem pretty interesting. There's so many dating apps <laughs> out there from uh, Plenty of Fish, yeah. Bumble. But I do, yeah. I do this, this, all these dating apps. And, like, you know, I don't put in my profile that I'm in a wheelchair because you could have a conception of what somebody isn't like in a wheelchair. And if I have that in my profile, you're going to pass me right by. Right. So then how do you uh, tell them? Well, so there becomes the interesting part, uh, Opie, is because, uh, you know, so I don't wait long because I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste your their time. Uh, So within the first couple messages, I'll tell them. And it's so interesting to me as a society. And it all goes back to how we think about you said it earlier, quote unquote, normal, right? These yeah. girls, when they see my picture, they're telling me, oh, you're the hottest thing since uh, sliced bread. And then as soon as I tell them I'm in a wheelchair, they they run tail the other way. Well, it, not all of them, Wheels. That's what I'm getting at. Every once in a while, you get one with a bit of a, a, a kink besides ones that, you know, obviously that doesn't matter. Well, no, absolutely. But there's there's a good majority of them. And I always say to them, did you have a choice in what your mother named you? So if your yeah. name's Christina, did you have a right. choice in what your mother named you? I didn't have a choice that I was going to end up in the wheelchair. Like, get yeah. to know me. I uh, I once dated a girl that had a handicap. You did? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, I think I know. Go ahead. Which one? Did she have the smelly, uh, the smell? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You went with it. Yes, her handicap is a smelly vagina. Yeah, oh my I, god, that's that's why I love you. Oh my god, no, well, very, very good. Uh, but then I was reminded. I actually uh, there was a girl that um, had one arm that I didn't even notice that she had one arm, and she worked for Bill O'Reilly, 
we were uh, we were going to go on Bill O'Reilly. Ah, God, the no spin zone. Yeah, okay. And he was going to do a big piece on me and Anthony. So one of his producers came into the studio for it had to be a couple weeks just doing background stuff and uh, filming B roll and hanging out with us and you know getting the whole thing uh, set up for Bill O'Reilly. It was going to be a big piece for him. And she was in studio. And then after the show, she would go out to eat with us and she would go drinking with us. Anyway, me and Anthony are at Hooters. We're signing uh, a magazine article that came out. And all of a sudden I look up. Beautiful girl. Beautiful. And actually she's, uh, I can't say. Damn it, I can't say. Say it. Uh, no, because you know documentaries. She she produced a very big documentary, and I couldn't believe when I found out that uh, this was the same person. She she moved on from Bill O'Reilly and has done some great things. But anyway, so she was attracted to me, and um, I, I had a, a girlfriend at the time, and we were signing magazines at Hooters. And I look up, and she's kind of in the distance. And at that moment, as we got a long line of fans, and we're all partying and stuff at Hooters, I noticed that she has a fake mannequin arm. I think it was her left arm with a bracelet on it, which I found really strange because why would you draw attention to that, I'm thinking. Right, anyway, she long, had the long, long story short, I start telling my guys, including Anthony and everybody else, I'm like, look, look, look. And, and one by one, they noticed for the first time, even though she was hanging out with us for two weeks, she was in studio with the bright lights that she had a fake arm and we're like, oh my God, we'd be terrible witnesses in a, in a court case. We had no idea. But then anyway, fast forward, I'm on a roof drinking with her in the West Village with a bunch of other guys. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a faithful one there, Wheels. But I was getting a little weak. I'm not going to lie to you. And she, uh, she invited me down to her apartment. We were, on, uh, we were on the roof of this apartment. And I go into her apartment and uh, her roommates were cranking Pink Floyd and were really, really high. So I'm, I'm kind of talking to the, her roommates because she said, I'll be right back. And uh, I'm just hanging with the roommates. All of a sudden, I hear a voice, uh, oh, come in here. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, she's calling me into the kitchen or something. And I'm, I'm walking to his apartment and I noticed that she's calling me into the bathroom. And uh, long story short, she's in the bathtub completely naked with her arm off. And she's begging me to go into the bathtub with her wheels. What would you have done? I think, well, listen, I don't think one arm is as bad as a smelly vajay. <laughs> so, so how the story goes, uh, it was more because I was with somebody um, because I was very tempted. I'm not going to lie to you. My relationship wasn't that great. So I, I, I kind of pinch myself now like, God, you idiot. Uh, Cause she was really, really hot. And uh, I just started laughing at how ridiculous the situation was and walked out and started walking down the stairs of her apartment to get back on the street. And she's at the, at the top of the stairs in a bathrobe, soaking wet, no arms, screaming and yelling at me, you son of a bitch. Cause I guess I was laughing at her, but I was just so un uncomfortable and right. sadly, that was the last time I saw her and fast forward. Then I end up breaking up with my chick. And then I'm thinking, God, why didn't I? Because she was she was actually uh, really, really cool, man. So. Yeah, I, I have. A, a, so I dated a I dated a, a girl that was an amputee and we were at a bar in Lake Placid, New York, of all places. And we were yeah. there for the Empire State Games. 
Uh, right. And O Town was the opening act at the uh, the opening ceremonies, Opie. And so yeah. they happened to be at this bar, right? And the girl that I was seeing at the time convinced O Town that she was an amputee because she got her leg bitten off by a shark. Nice. And they they didn't even believe she was an amputee. So she literally took off her prosthetic leg and put it up on the bar. Nice. Yeah. So that's my O-Town story, a little boy band story there. I I like the O-Town story there, Wheels. All right. You got to look at my ceiling for a second. I got to get a sip of my Sam Adams, which I don't support. All right. Take a sip of the Sam Adams. And then I, I, uh, Ah, all right, I'm back. Listen, you know I've why I don't question, support I've got a question for you as a as a guy that's been in radio forever. How do you yeah. deal with how do you deal with haters, Opie? Because I I just got my first hater of the Wednesdays with Wheels podcast. What did they say? Oh, he just bashed it, said it was the worst thing ever, and that I that I have the worst voice for radio and and uh, the only reason I'm in radio is because I'm in a wheelchair and all, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, my God, man. You're entertaining as all hell. I'm, I'm having a very, very good time here. Um, how do you deal with haters? At first, it's not easy. I, I, I'll be honest with you, man. If uh, I was just getting into this, which you are, more or less, although you've been with Wheeze for a while, I don't know if I would do this. I don't know if I would want to put myself out there as much where people could get a hold of me 24 hours a day and try to, you know, knock me down because their lives suck because they have trauma from the past or they got some pain or they uh, were never brave enough to go for their dream job. Uh, So you have to deal with their mental illness uh, day in and day out. I'm not really sure I would do it because back in the day, a hater – Oh, my God. Ask Wheeze. I hate her. They would have to find the address of the radio station, and then they would have to actually write a letter and send it to you. And then they have to hope that you actually would uh, open up that letter and read their hate. But now, man, you know, they hear something on a podcast seconds later. They're finding your Twitter, your Facebook, whatever, your Instagram, and then just throwing just uh, their hate at you. Uh, how I handle it is, I'm not going to lie to you, it's taken a while. Uh, there was a time it was really, really bothersome, but finally I realized it's more about them than anything. And uh, and I also just simply don't um, go on the social media as much or I'll post my stuff and just kind of turn it off and, and that's it. I don't, I don't sit there anymore just scrolling through Twitter uh, hour after hour. I just have found better things to do with my uh, my time, like be with my family and, and fish and whatnot. You know, it, so it, it does it does bring up a good – I'm just sitting here listening to you talk about that and these yeah. people with their mental illness because this this person definitely has some issues and, and wants to be doing what I'm doing. And I find it to be more difficult on my family than on me. When I got the, when I got the hate, I was like, yes, I've made it. Yeah, of course. Gentleman was taking, I mean, he was talking about minute by minute in the podcast, uh, what I was talking about. So you're just giving me, you know, free advertising if you want to talk about my podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Don't listen to that crap, man. Then I had someone Uh, say to me, well, isn't it demeaning by using the name wheels? Why? 
have we become that's, that politically correct that we can't go by a nickname? You know what I mean? Like this, we're yeah. we're just too politically correct nowadays. I uh, I think Wheels is a better nickname than Opie. By the way, I think it's way cooler. So I never even thought that that could be a problem with somebody. I think it's cool. Yeah, like I don't and, know, and, like uh, and I, it's catchy. What am I supposed to do? Hide it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. What am I supposed to do? Know. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Let me ask you, what was your worst online dating experience? Give me the worst one. Oh, there's been so many. Um, I don't know. I've never had one in person. So I've never gone out on a date uh, with someone in person. I will tell you, I just, so I was with a girl for just recently for, well, about a year ago now, but I was with her for about six months and uh, I can finally talk about it now. But uh, uh, six months into the relationship, she kind of just woke up one morning and said, you're too short. And I can't be with you because you can't climb a ladder. <laughs> you know, you know, she was trying to come up with something, and that's the best she can come up with. That you can't climb a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> to which, to which, oh, I responded. Yeah. Did Amazon just drop the wheelchair off at the front door? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, she didn't want to hurt your feelings, and she was trying to figure out an easy way out. That's just, but that's just strange, man. I mean, I think of an easier way out would have just been, I don't want to be with you anymore. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. so that was that was probably the you know the the hardest. You should have said, I bet you, if you had to, you could climb a ladder, though. I bet <laughs> you, you got. I I bet you, you got some strong biceps. Well, you know what? You, I, just you know pull what? Pull yourself said, up a ladder. You know what I said to her? Oh, I said, uh, I said, um, have you ever heard of a handyman? Yeah, exactly. Like there's these things called handyman, and they they can come over and do whatever you need them to do. Yeah, I uh, when I was growing up, so I'm one of uh, seven, eight, nine kids, five boys, two sisters, sometimes three sisters, and sometimes an extra extra brother in there, depending on who needed a place to. Uh, to live for a while. And my, so out of the five boys, two of us suck. We just can't do anything around the house. And then I got one that sort of does uh, some stuff. And then I got two that could pretty much build a house. That's, that's how it is uh, in my family. And the, the, the simplest tasks, uh, my dad would look at me and just shake his head and he would, and he would go, Greg, it's okay. You don't know how to do any of this stuff. Uh, but you better either learn how to do this stuff or make so much money that you could pay someone to do, do all these things. And guess which one worked out for me? <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I'm looking at <laughs> it right God. now. Thank God. Thank right. God. Right. Uh, here's another great story you'll get a kick out of. Oh, I was in the yeah. mall one day, uh, probably in my early 20s, and this guy comes up to me and he says to me, do you know why you're in a wheelchair? And I said, well, I think I do. I think the doctors diagnosed me right away, but maybe they were wrong. Why don't you tell me? Yeah. And he goes, you're in a wheelchair because in a past life, you were mean to people in wheelchairs. 
Ew. To which I responded, well, in a past life, you must have been mean to ugly people because you're pretty fucking ugly. <laughs> Good for you, Will. Good for you. I mean, it's it's just amazing the way people think. Then I then I had one guy pray for me in the middle of a store one time, like drop yeah. down on his knees and just pray for me. Yeah. You know, say some Hail well, Marys. Yeah. Well, uh, he thought that would make me get up and walk. Uh, but you don't you don't need to walk. No, it's interesting. Somebody asked me the other day, Ope, if if uh, if they came, if somebody said to me, Wheels, we think we have found a cure for your disability, but the, one of the one of the things that could happen is you might pass away from it. And my yeah. friend said to me, Would you take that chance? And I looked right at him and said, No, because. I've, I'm living a good life. Like I get great parking. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to know if a girl's got a nice butt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wheels. Yeah, man, I, I get it. I, uh, you know, I have a soft spot for the wheelchair because me and my friend Buzzy, when we were living in Rochester, we used the wheelchair to bootleg concerts at the war Memorial. How'd you do that? Well, uh, see, this is a weird story because no one can relate to this because everyone has their phones now. When they go to a show, they just film the whole damn thing instead of watching it. But back in the day, you weren't allowed to film a, a concert. But my buddy Buzzy had a whole uh, underground business going where he bootlegged uh, concerts and sold them not even online. He had a he had to put um, uh, advertisements in in uh, magazines, like rock magazines. But basically, he figured out he uh, hollowed out a seat of a wheelchair, and he would smuggle in the the video equipment in the wheelchair. I was the guy that he only trusted me with the um, with the tripod because he wanted to film these very professionally as well. So he didn't want any shaky cam. So I would bring in the tripod and I would get stopped at security. They're like, why do you need a, a tripod for the rush show? And then I would show my binoculars, you know, oh no, the, you know, I put the, I put my binoculars on the tripod and they would let me go in. Then I would go left and uh, Buzzy would go right with all the equipment in a hollowed out wheelchair. We would meet in a stall in the war memorial. And then he had a, another guy that had a gym bag. So then he would unload all the stuff from the wheelchair, the hollowed out uh, seat of the wheelchair, into a gym bag. That guy would take off. Buzzy, uh, not Buzzy. Then we needed another guy to take the wheelchair because they already know that uh, they saw Buzzy. So if he's walking with the wheelchair, that would be bad. And then someone would drop off the wheelchair and say, we're going to get it after the show. We got our friend in the seat. And he figured out the exact seats to, to – um, uh, to get for these shows where it would be hard for the security guards to get them. And that would be in the middle of a row, in the middle of a section. And then when people saw that we were videotaping these shows, they would get so excited and try to help us. And he was such a, a pro at this that he put a, a coat around the tripod. He would put a hat on the actual camera. So it looked like a person just enjoying the show. And uh, he would film these shows and after about an hour, he would take the tape out and give it to a runner, one of our friends, actually, that uh, Buzzy got a seat for on the other side of the War Memorial. So just in case Buzzy did get caught, he still had half the show taped. It was an incredible, an incredible operation, man. Buzzy was, uh, he was uh, forward thinking. Oh, my he God, yeah. 
he uh, he was one of the youngest. Uh, he worked for uh, one of the TV stations up there. Oh, okay. Uh, Jeff Ulrich. He he worked at uh, Channel Eight. Channel Eight. I was going to say the name sounds familiar. I got yeah, another. I got another great story. You'll get a kick out of Hope. Uh, All right. Let, one, let me grab my beer. Grab. Have a drink. Opie's parched. I'm not a big drinker, by the way. Neither am I. Because I'm because I'm enjoying this this wretched Sam Adams summer ale. What is your What is your favorite beer, Ope? Uh, Line and Kugels. Okay, I always get made fun of because I drink the girly drinks like you. Oh yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with those, right? Like when I went to see Wheeze in in Fort Lauderdale, I had a drink called the Electric <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> I laughed because you probably had the exact drink I had, and Wheeze uh, took me out. I, I was down there in uh, February, right before this this hell hit all of us. And uh, he took a he took me to a gangster man a gangster joint with ponytail and all sorts of people. There are a lot of gangsters in there, and those guys are drinking manly drinks. And and man, if I didn't order uh, wheels, the the fruitiest drink on the menu. But man, it was tasty. It yeah, was he, tasty. I, I ordered an I ordered the electric Daisy, and his exact words to me were, "Bro, what are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Weez is kind of like Carl. It takes a lot to embarrass Weez, but when it comes to girly drinks, when he's hanging out with his gangster friends in a gangster restaurant, that's that's his uh, that's his line, I guess. And I said to no, Weez, and, and Paulie was there at the time, I said, it all gets you drunk the same way. Like, I'll have yeah. the same hangover you have. Yeah. But I'm here to say I, I drink some tequila from time to time. And uh, actually, someone just sent me four bottles of bourbon. I might dip into that. Uh, Did he summer. turn we'll you on to his uh, favorite tequila, Campa Beta? Uh, no, the other one, the Casamingo. Yeah, whatever it is. I know. Casa, oh, whatever, something. I, I forgot the name of it. It's all, it's all right. It's good. Yeah, right so on. So listen, I, I got another story for you. You're going to get a kick out of this one. Okay. Uh, one year for Halloween... Oh, it was right after poor Christopher Reeves, God rest his soul, uh, 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 was paralyzed. So for Halloween, I went to a Halloween party dressed up as Superman. Beautiful. I had the whole oxygen mask and the... the oh my God, you're crazy. The, t the oxygen tank and the... Right. You know, and then... But what I didn't realize, Hope, was that not everybody at the party knew I was actually in a wheelchair. So I show up to the party... And they think like I'm making fun of of Christopher. Oh Reed. right, right, yeah. So I had to have my friend stand up in the middle of the party and explain he's in a wheelchair. He's okay to do this, and then I won best costume. Of course, you had to have won. Yeah, that takes balls, man. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, you know, but you you've got like you. I think you've you've you do this quite well. You got to poke fun at yourself, right, Opie? You can't take yourself too seriously. I try. I definitely try to do that there, Wheels. Yes. It's it's uh, it's just something that I've learned, and it also helps me cope with my situation. Opie, I right. want to I want to trans I want to talk a little bit. This hour has flown by, but we got about ten minutes left. I want to talk about the podcast a little bit. Uh, okay. What do you like most about podcasting? in terms of the difference between podcasting and actual terrestrial radio? 
I get to do it all by myself. I'm not a boss anymore, Wheels. <laughs> no, I, I, I just like the freedom of it. I like the fact that uh, I don't have pressure anymore in my life. I, uh, I've been to the top of the mountain in the radio business and made a lot of money. I, I uh, was quite famous. And sadly, uh, Wheels, I'm here to say, and I, and I don't want people to be like, Ooh, but I, I, I wasn't that happy. I'm, I'm happier now uh, just doing the podcast with my friends before they died. But uh, I, uh, I, I really, really enjoy uh, doing this. And, and I, I remember why I got into this business all those years ago when I heard Brother Weeze's voice coming from uh, that room in the uh, fraternity house. I just, I just love doing it. And somewhere along the way, I, I lost the love to do it. And, uh, and, and, and it's back. And uh, I don't make a lot of money. I don't have a massive audience, but I can honestly say that uh, I don't think I've ever been happier. Well, I was happier when Carl and uh, Vic were alive. But in general, I, I don't remember being this happy doing this in all those years of doing ONA. I don't regret anything, but, uh, but those are the, uh, the facts, my friend. That's, uh, you know, I listen to your podcast all the time and, one of the things I'm struck with is when you do your podcast, a lot of your fans still ask you about ONA and, and all of that. In a sense, is that do you do you like that? How how I mean ONA was how many years ago was ONA? Well, the show broke up uh, six years ago, right around now. And I'm asked about it every single day. But it's kind of cool because uh, for the last six years, I got to do radio a, a different way, and of course, the podcast for the last two. So I've built up enough that people are now starting to talk about um, the post ONA stuff, and uh, that makes me very, very happy. But you know what? We did it. We did. We had a massive show that people seem to really, really enjoy to this day, and uh, I can respect that. I like that. Um, but I don't have any connection to that, uh, that old life anymore. And, uh, and I'm fine with that. And, uh, what, what, what are some of your most either podcast or uh, OPNA? What are some of your most memorable? What are some of your most memorable guests? I mean, obviously Carl and, and, you know, Carl was a great guest and a great co-host, but, what are some of you, who are some of your other great guests that you've had on? Oh my God. I mean, I can't even turn on the TV without pointing to my kids. Cause they don't know. They don't know the ONA world. Now they're finally uh, more than aware. My son's now 10. My daughter's going to be eight. And I try to explain to them that I used to be a big deal wheels. And uh, I go, Oh, you see the, the president of the United States. He used to, you know, call my show on a regular basis. Uh, that's a biggie right there, Mr. Trump. What what kind of guy was was Donald Trump? Same as you see on TV. Very entertaining. You know, uh, very narcissistic. Very, uh, well, I shouldn't say very. Lacks empathy, uh, but a lot of fun. Very entertaining. And, uh, and I really enjoyed talking to him on the radio show. But as soon as... We hung up on the guy. We would we would basically say, 
we would laugh at him like, oh, my God, this guy is, is ridiculous. He's all about himself and bragging about himself and talking about himself. But he made it very, very entertaining. And I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not into politics like Brother Weeze. I, uh, I would say I'm a moderate. Uh, a lot of people like to say I lean left because I make fun of Trump a lot because there's so much to be made fun of there. And if if it uh, passes that Biden becomes our next president, I'll be right in there making fun of Biden as well because there's a lot to make fun of there as well. Um, uh, what was I saying? Shit. Um, we were talking about some of your favorite guests. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had a, a, a – oh, I'm sorry. I had a point about Trump. But with all that said, I, I really enjoy the circus uh, the last – three plus years with Trump. I love that he calls out people and has, you know, terrible names for everybody and all that. Cause it's so entertaining. Cause I love reality TV, but I don't, I don't believe in the guy as far as him being the president of the United States. I think we could do, do you ever better think in this that country. He, do you ever think that he really wanted to be president? Nah. Right. Nah, I think, I think he was swept away by the whole thing and realized, Oh my God, this might, this might happen. I think he, you know, he loves, loves, loves attention. That's why every single day he tries to go viral on his social media. I mean, it's it's almost exhausting. I, I his streak of going viral is absolutely amazing. He he almost goes viral every single day of his presidency. But I think at first he loved the attention. He loved that people were talking about him, and then somewhere along the way, it just got real. Um, but I don't think he went into it thinking he actually wanted to do it. But then again, I don't know because he uh, he doesn't like to lose, you know. So maybe he committed when he realized when he decided to run for the presidency that I got to win this thing now because I, I can't lose. Right. I just he just sometimes when he's giving a press conference, he looks so disinterested. Like he's just like looking around like, are people paying attention to me? Like, I don't even care what answers I'm giving Right, right. Yeah. You know, I have a slight connection to um, to Trump. Well, I mean, I I, I had uh, you know uh, uh, Trump's son on a lot too, and and the guy I knew when he came into the radio station was a very different guy than you see on TV. I I, I really liked uh, Donald Trump Jr. Um, and he was always inviting me to to see the old man or go hunting or go fishing or go out to lunch, and for whatever reason, I I turned down all the uh, invitations invitations but um my dad ran in the same circles as donald trump's father way back in the day and i'm not trying to say my dad was a real estate mogul like trump's father was but in long island city they uh they ran in the same circles uh my dad was um, uh, a real estate guy uh in queen slash long island city and had a bunch of buildings and did very well early on in his life and uh he used to he used to laugh, you know, when Trump would come up and basically tell me, you know, that he, he knew the old man, not to the point where they were like buddy, buddy or anything. But they they ran in the same circles. Do you think he's as rich as he says he is? I uh, probably I don't know. What the hell is that? that you, you almost had a perfect podcast wheels. What well, happened? I'm just to you? asking because it, it just I he doesn't want to release his. You said your your dad ran with the old man, so I was wondering maybe he had a little inside information. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, I think 
think I think the reason why he doesn't want anyone to see his taxes is because there's some some things in there. That's why. I don't know if it's about him not being as rich as he's telling everybody. I think there's just some things. You have a some great things. ceiling, by the way, Ope. I'm tr I'm having another sip of the Sam Adams Summer Ale Citrus Wheat Ale. All right. I'm mad. I I, I want to I got to figure out who brought this stupid beer to my house. We don't support Sam Adams in this house. What what do you, you have against Sam Adams? I was waiting for you to ask that, Wheels. I was I was throwing softballs up the middle for you. What do you have against uh, Sam Adams? He was the sponsor of the famous Sex for Sam thing that me and Anthony did. Oh, I yes. Actually, I don't mind Jim Cook. I mean, he used to be a, a decent friend of mine. Um, he was—he uh, had a beer. I forgot which one it was, but he—he—he uh, he, he, uh, flew me and Anthony and a bunch of other radio shows down to Turks and Caicos for the big uh, promotion for the the beer at the time. And uh, he loved us. And we did this uh, this bit back in the day called Sex for Sam, where we where, where we had a bunch of couples, you know, have sex all over New York City wheels. Can you imagine that radio shows actually did this type of thing? I can't it was imagine. The, it wouldn't happen nowadays. Yeah, and it was a point system and, you know, if you if you do it at, uh, you know, well, I was going to say the toy store. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. People are going to come out. That would be bad. Well, it actually happened, Wheels, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and I can't believe I said that because of cancel uh, culture. But uh, there's a whole bunch of places on the list. And so these couples would try to, you know, um, get as many points as possible by having sex at all these crazy landmarks all around New York. And Sam Adams and Jim Cook, they loved the promotion and uh, they were the big sponsors. And on the third annual, third, three years they let us do this. Uh, what happened was a couple had, maybe they did, I wasn't there at wheels, but they might've had uh, sex in the vestibule of St. Patrick's cathedral. Wow. And that, that's, uh, I've heard that story and that's the one that got like, you got in big trouble for that, right? Yeah. Think I've been trying to get my career back together ever since. And they also did it in the, uh, you know. The dirtiest of holes wheels. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so what happened was uh, we got fired and we had to sit. Well, we didn't get fired. They paid out our contract and we had to sit out for two years, three months and do nothing. And there was no social media back then, which made it really frustrating. But Jim Cook, uh, we were we were pretty close. He sponsored a lot of our stuff. He, he, like I said, he brought us on that trip to Turks and Caicos and he invited us up to the brewery in Boston many times for these big festivals that he threw. And he called me one day. He's like, oh, I'm like, hey, Jim. Oh, my God. I felt so bad because on the front pages of all the Boston papers, all the bartenders and, and bar owners were just pouring Sam Adams down the drain. They were pissed because, you know, Boston might be a, a bit of a religious uh, city. And Jim Cook, he's whispering because he's obviously in the middle of some giant meeting as they're trying to figure out what to do. And he goes, oh, uh, you know, I love you. I go, yeah, man. I, I, I know Jim. And I apologize to him. Like I didn't, you know, expect this to get out of hand. Um, Cause our intentions were not for a couple to have sex at uh, St. Patrick's cathedral that day, but it happened. And then I had to take some responsibility and I'm like, I'm really sorry, Jim. And he's like, look, you're going to hear some things in the coming days. Just know this. I love you. Uh, but I got to save my own ass. He was really scared. And I go, I understand Jim. And he hung up 
and wheels, I never talked to him again. Really? Yeah, which is kind of sad, you know, because we did some great things together, and he's a he's a really good guy. And but I mean, he basically what? he was basically uh, saying goodbye to me uh, with love, with love. He he wasn't mad. He understood how much money I brought in for that company, or me and Anthony, I should say. Um, but unfortunately, we got caught, you know, uh, in a bad situation. And, uh, you know, he took it like a man and he basically said goodbye to me like a man. And that was it, man. We hung up and uh, I, I, I never talked to him again. One day I was uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm babbling. No, go uh, ahead. OK, one day I was in Manhattan. I, I think my wife was in the car. We were driving maybe to Long Island. We're on the east side for the people that know New York City heading toward uh, the tunnel, uh, the bridge, excuse me, the 59th Street Bridge. And all of a sudden, we're stuck in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. The traffic's barely moving where people are walking uh, faster than the cars. And I go to my – yeah, my wife was there. I go, oh, my God, there's Jim Cook in a business suit with another guy. They're obviously having some kind of meeting that they're walking to. And I roll down the window wheels. I lean my head out. And I went, nah. And I just let it be. And I rolled the window back up, and I never uh, shouted to Jim. Uh, Cook. I wish I did, to be honest with you. But I mean, he probably would have. He probably would have liked to at least. Like, here's the thing. Like, I can't believe like he wouldn't have reached out to you just as a friend afterwards, and because he seemed like he really liked you as a person. So that surprises uh, well, me. Well, he called me. You know, well, that no, was him after reaching that. You know what I mean? To I'm I'm, I'm sure. Look, let's be honest. I'm. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he was livid, and you know he. I almost ruined everything, or me and Anthony, I should say, in the in the radio show. So you know, I'm sure I, he wanted to put some distance uh, between us after that, you know. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask this question, but now that you you we've talked about the that incident, uh, what is it? At any time in your career, I'm sure there were uh, station directors that were telling you to sort of push the limits, right? Because it brought in ratings, but. At, then at the same point, when you push those limits, then they, then they want to distance themselves from you when you go too far. So how frustrating is that? Well, it was uh, it was an understanding between me and Anthony, especially in the golden age of this shock jock radio and the bosses. It was a weird little tug of war. I mean, we had a bunch of PDs over the years that didn't really get us or understand what me and Anthony were about. But in general, even though uh, – I've been fired dramatically a bunch of times. We really did understand the game uh, un un until until we got in over our head. And basically, we would get in trouble with all sorts of minority groups. Uh, one time we did a, 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 a gay bit up in Boston. And, 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 I, and I have love for the community. Uh, but we're also there trying to entertain people. And we did this bit, and they were so freaking mad. And um, all of a sudden, they wanted to meet with me and Anthony and the and the and the general manager and behind closed doors. They're giving us pamphlets and books to read and blah blah blah. And me and Anthony played our parts. We're like, we're sorry. And then the GM was scolding us in front of the the gay group. And uh, and then uh, they they wanted to have another meeting after we read these books. And my GM at that point said, No, no, no. They they understand. They they heard you. They've uh, learned their lessons. I think that's enough. 
and uh, we all shook hands, and then I quickly uh, washed my hands. <laughs> Just kidding, wheels, a little humor. Uh, and then, I, I was laughing. I was like, okay. yeah, you wash your hands so much nowadays, your hands are raw. Oh, no kidding. So then they leave. And what does my GM say? You know, he's he's there playing his part, scolding us in front of these people. He's like, okay, boys, you know, you obviously did nothing wrong. So go right back into that studio and continue doing exactly what you're doing. And that's that's that played out so many times over the years. Everyone understood. Uh when we got fired for Sex for Sam, we were number one with men up and down the East Coast. We're talking number one in Cleveland. We had some like a 40-something share in Cleveland. We were number one in New York. We were number one in Boston. We were number one in Philly. I'm not bragging. I'm getting to a point. We were number one in Washington and, and many other places. I think uh, Buffalo was on that list at the time. And we do the Sex for Sam. And I'm thinking, there's no way they're going to fire us. You know, you don't just throw away a number one show like that. We were, we were making the big uh, bosses like just stupid money. And I always understood the game. But what I didn't understand at the time was the fact that radio stations were now being swallowed up by big corporations. So if a radio show messed up, it wasn't that they were just uh, effing with the actual radio station or the radio division. You could screw over the entire company. And at the time, it was CBS. They owned uh, movie studios. They owned Blockbuster. They owned all these other entities. And that's why we got fired. I, I didn't understand that the game got way, way bigger than just us and our stupid radio show. So that's why they, they ended up firing uh, me and Anthony back in 2002, even though we had massive, massive ratings up and down uh, the East Coast and in other cities. That's yeah. It's uh, I always tell people open. I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. And uh, if you don't like what's on the radio, like change the dial. Yeah, but then what are they going to complain about? They don't oh, even my. like like this cancel culture. I don't even believe half the people really have uh, a passion uh, for the topic that they're trying to cancel. I think everyone is part of a tribe now. You're just trying to get points for your tribe. But uh, I don't think in the end it, they truly give a shit if Jimmy Kimmel wore blackface or Howard Stern wore blackface all those years ago. I really don't believe that whatsoever. Yeah, But I think, I, I think people just want to complain just for the complaining's sake. Yeah, just to say they're doing something, right? I think just to be a just a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. We live in a, in the in a world where there are a lot of pain in the asses. That's why I hide out and don't see many people. I'm, I'm pretty much becoming a recluse. So, Ope, I have I have one more question for you. Of course, here it is. As an up and I don't think you know where I'm going with this one. I think I'm going to shout. <laughs> Okay, good. Let's go. As an up and coming pod, you know, new to, I don't want to say up and coming because uh, the five people that listen to my podcast, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't make a dent in the, the podcast world. But could you, as, a, as someone that's new to the game, could you give me some advice? Oh, that's really nice of you, Wheels. I think you're already doing it, to be honest with you. The, the thing I learned from Brother Weeze, and I pass along to as many people as I can is to simply be yourself. 
because the um, the listener they know when you're not uh, being genuine and they know when you're not being yourself and uh, you're you're doing it, man. You're the same guy on on mic and off mic. So I that I think that's a that's a very important. Uh, a uh, bit of advice for somebody, but you're already there. You're already j- just being yourself. I appreciate it. Oh, and uh, selfishly, could I have you do me a favor? Yeah. Could you promote my podcast on your podcast? That, you're on my podcast. Oh, are we doing it right now? You're on my podcast. We're, I this didn't is even like know. A, I call this a shared episode. Like I love it. You didn't let me ask questions, but that's okay. I got a few in. Well, if you got any more, go ahead. <laughs> I'm an open I, book. I, I'm just curious of the whole uh, the whole sex angle. I think that's amazing. I and mean, you also you also love your poker. I do uh, love what poker. Else? Yeah. I'll t- can I tell you why I love poker? It's because I'm a very competitive person, and uh, yes. being in the wheelchair, I wasn't able to play high school sports, although I am a, I am sort of the Michael Phelps of disabled sports, Opie. Nice. Uh, I, I, I did some track and field events, but poker is one of those things where I'm able to be competitive at a table and my disability doesn't come into it at all. Beautiful. Oh, that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is you, you referenced, referenced Michael Phelps and then said track and field. Well, I did swimming too, but I was better at. I oh, was, all right. I, I wasn't sure if they were hitting you with the fire hose as you're, you know, doing the hundred yard dash. I'm like, what is he talking about? No, I was sort of like the. Uh, to use another reference, I was sort of like the Usain Bolt of short distances, except Beautiful. I wanted a turtle's pace. Nice. Yeah. You never, yeah. you never did that wheelchair basketball. One of my good friends, I lost, uh, I lost touch with him, unfortunately. My friend Eddie who was on Big Brother. Um, quick, funny story. Big Brother was on when hey, me and man, Anthony were. I know Eddie. Yeah, he's a, he's a dear friend of mine, although we've lost touch in the last few years. But back in the day, when me and Anthony had that massive radio show, we decided to make Eddie win Big Brother. It's a fact. And, and he thanks me to this day because we got all our, our, our fans to vote for Eddie, who had one leg. He had cancer when he was 12 years old. And they decided to take his leg to save his life. And uh, unfortunately for Eddie, his his uh, they took his leg all the way up almost to his hip, which makes it really hard to to get around on a fake leg, which he does when um, you know he's got a wedding or something. Uh, but in general, man, he's got giant hands, and uh, he could get around faster on crutches than pretty much anyone I know. And uh, he was like six four, an athlete. And he played that uh, that competitive wheelchair basketball, and I went and saw him a few times, and it was simply amazing, man. These guys would be diving out of their chairs, and their the the chairs would be flipping, you know, over. I thought it would be some some wheelchair game where everyone's just slowly going up the court, you know, trying to trying to shoot the basket. But these guys really, really took it seriously and uh, were incredibly competitive. So, oh, it's so funny because I actually competed against Eddie in those same Olympics that I was talking to you about. So, oh, okay, I, I know Eddie personally as well, and 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 what a guy he was, and uh, and he did quite well with the ladies too, from what I remember. 
Oh, good looking guy, which pissed me off. I got both yeah. legs, both arms. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the pick of the litter here. And there's Eddie in his crutches, and they would just be drooling when they saw this guy. Chris Jericho put put him in a, a music video. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, he. I think he. It's uh, a million years ago now. Uh, Chris Jericho's band Fozzie, I think. Um, but Eddie was on the top of a, a roof was his big scene. And I think he, uh, he, he kind of jumped off the roof in the video. Now, if I remember correctly, here's a sport that I played. That's going to boggle your mind. Oh, I played ice hockey. Nice. Yeah. Why? Oh, Why my. would that boggle my mind? Well, I could just, because I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you'd ever seen it, but have you ever seen sled hockey? Of course I have. Yeah. So I played, I played sled hockey and we actually brought in the um, United States Paralympic sled hockey team into Rochester. And I got to yeah. practice with them for a few days and Beautiful. Uh, talk about some guys that can fly around the ice. Right. I mean, yeah, no kidding. Talent. They could do full hockey stops open. And it was just amazing. Just right amazing. On, There's a whole bunch of stuff out there that be a lot of people, you know, that's why I say don't feel sorry for me because I'm out there doing I'm out there doing all the kind of things I want to do. I, I don't feel sorry for you. No, don't. Listen, yeah, don't. Opie, this was fun, my friend. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm going to send you a uh, Wednesdays with Wheels. What would you like? Would you rather have a hat or a T-shirt? Um, hmm. What does the hat look like? It's right there. Oh, oh, you can't see it. I forgot you can't see me. No, I can't see blind you. This whole time. <laughs> yeah, man. It's got uh, you know, like the handicap uh, parking logo. Yeah. It's got that with some really fancy writing, and it looks like I'm going really fast. Oh, beautiful! I I want a t-shirt. You want the t-shirt? All right, I'll send you the. Send me your address, and I'll send you a t-shirt. I will, and, and, you know, sneak in one of those handicap passes. Uh, listen, I can't do that. That's how I get the girls, Ope. No, you tell them you lost yours. You send me one, and then you go get another one. What are uh, you, a rookie? You know, can I – I was going to end this, but I got to tell you this story because it's so funny. <laughs> okay, Brother Louise yeah. has himself a handicap parking pass now. Yeah. But he doesn't use it. Why? Well, when I because he doesn't want people to see him using the handicap parking sticker, but when I was in Florida, he uh, he was okay to use it because I was with him. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> so we were going out to the car one day, and he says, uh, yeah. "Oh shit!" He says, "I forgot the handicap parking sticker." So yeah. we, we go back upstairs to get it, and we're in the elevator talking about it and uh he says to the girl in the elevator he says uh i have to go get the handicap parking sticker my my friend forgot it That's meanwhile great. he's the one that wanted it yeah. yeah and he fights for that handicap spot at his building down there in florida you want to hear a good uh a good episode of my podcast it was right after the super bowl i guess officially but we were coming home from a super bowl party and i decided to just do a podcast in the car and, uh, you know, we almost got in an accident and then we, uh, and then we get to his garage and he's so mad that 
the only other person with a handicap uh, sticker grabbed his spot. And then he's called her the C word. Yeah. Me and Doreen are like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? I listened but he was to that. so mad. I listened to that podcast and it was, I'm yeah. sitting, I'm sitting in my, uh, uh, bedroom listening to it, and I'm, th- and I'm just visualizing him doing that. Um, oh, I loved every second of it. I mean, Doreen, we're laughing ourselves sick. He's a great guy, and he's definitely changed my life. And Opie, thank you so much for doing this. I know you, you there's a million other things you could have been doing, so I so much appreciate it. I really do. Um, I, I didn't think I had a choice. No? Ah, the wheelchair. I'm like, I can't say no to a guy with it's in a wheelchair. Oh, you could have, but I, I, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. No, wheels, come on. I uh, People are asking me to be on their podcast all the time, and honestly, I, I, I pretty much don't do anyone's podcast, but uh, I, I, I like you a lot. I think you're um, – I, I don't know, man. I, I really believe you're an inspiration, and that's not uh, – well, it's sort of because you're in a wheelchair, but it's, it's showing people, you know – to just live their lives, my God. And yeah, you're entertaining, you're funny, and you ask the right questions, and you add a lot to the conversation. And I, and a, a little known fact, I, I listen to you on Brother Weeze almost every morning. I still listen to Weeze almost every morning on the iHeart app. And Thank you're you so and you more than you more than hold your own, my brother. Thank you so much. And he is now no I'm gonna give him a little plug. He's now number one in in the in the market again. So kudos to Brother Weeze. Uh, nice. Such a, such a great career. I will say this real quick. Oh, when a couple of few months ago, uh, I was listening to your podcast and you were saying every, and you and I've talked about this off air, so I don't have a problem bringing it up here, but you were saying on your podcast that every douchebag in America now has a podcast. And yeah. I happened to call brother Weeze when you were in Florida and I was yeah. talking to you and I said, well, Oh, I'm going to be one of those douchebags on the podcast. <laughs> and they all suck. It drives me nuts. You can't turn on the TV without someone promoting their podcast. And I'm like, of course you got a podcast. Of course. Because this is so easy to do, isn't it? Go screw it. Do it, all. it really is the most difficult thing. Really. Because you have to – doing a one-on-one interview is tough. You know, I think I lost Joe, but anyway, I'm right here, but I'm falling asleep at this point. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we're going. (laughs) I'm just messing with you, brother. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you for doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for another listening to another episode of Wednesdays with wheels. By the way, I'm going to let Opie go. I don't need to make him sit around here and listen to me do promoting of the another douchebag podcast. <laughs> Love you. Hope. See you soon. All right, wheels. Love you too, brother. What's the name of the podcast for the people on my end? Wednesdays with wheels. There you go. And it's on the iHeart app, right? It's on the iHeart app, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast. All right, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you, buddy. All right. So that's another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Wow, we went almost, uh, we went 70, 
70 plus 78 minutes, I believe. That was uh, quite the interview. Love Opie. Love everything that he uh, he does on his podcast. By the way, I want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast. Uh, the last video I did with Rob Tortorella got over six 6,000 views. So thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, please like and share this video because the more times it gets liked and it gets shared, uh, the more people see it. So uh, next week, uh, let me promote next week's podcast while we're here. It's we're not. I'm not going to have a guest. I'm going to do an Ask Wheels uh, podcast. So any questions that you have uh, for me that you've ever wanted to ask me, uh, the only caveat to that is I'm not going to answer any questions in regards to uh, Kimberly and Beck. Uh, because I really don't have any inside information. So won't be doing that. But anything else, feel free to uh, drop your questions on Facebook or Instagram uh, or Twitter. You can always send me a tweet at uh, Twitter. Uh, and uh, I look forward to next Wednesday. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.